today on Ag News Daily. We've got a lot of different uh, farm data platforms out there that people are using today that don't really deliver the promised efficiencies that people are looking for. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Madison Honkam here, back on the Ag News Daily podcast, joined by Mike Pearson. Good afternoon, Madison. How is your day going today? It's been pretty good. What about you, Mike? Yeah, not too shabby, not too shabby. Had the chance to work with a lot of folks from the fertilizer side of the world down at a Winfield United event in Kansas City, and that is just wrapping up. So looking forward to getting back to this, the my other city I call home <laughs> there in Chicago. That's awesome. But what has been sticking out in the news today for you, Mike? Well, two big news stories today, Madison. The first one came out earlier this morning, sent soybeans off on a tear, sent hogs to limit up. We had Chinese uh, Chinese news service reporting first that China was going to make some large ag purchases. They were going to rescind their ban on importing American soybeans. So apparently there were a number of Chinese companies looking to purchase some American beans and they were inquiring to the uh, Chinese ministry that oversees this sort of thing whether or not that would be possible. Well, it turns out it is possible because we learned just a little bit later on that importers bought about Chinese importers, I should should say, bought about 600,000 metric tons of uh, soybeans and they bought some pretty significant pork, although I don't have that tonnage number in front of me. Um, both of those things really sent the uh, sent the markets off in a much better, much better way, I should say, earlier today. So that was that was news story number one that hit the wires this morning. News story number two, Madison, is the WASDE report from USDA. Have you uh, been following that at all? A little bit, Mike. I still get a little bit confused reading all of the numbers and everything, but we did look at it in my ag markets class this morning. Oh, perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect. All right. Well, it's a great thing to talk about. I do have the WASB numbers if you think we ought to go through it. What do you say? Let's do it, Mike. All right. So the trade was anticipating a little bit more bullish numbers than we ended up getting from the USDA. Uh, USDA continues to be conservative, though we did see the production numbers for both corn and soybeans drop. So corn production was lowered 102 2 million bushels from the August estimate. They dropped it down to 13.799 billion bushels. They did this by reducing the uh, excuse me, the yield. Um, it is still higher than expected, but they brought it from 169.5 bushels per acre for corn, which was the August estimate, down to 168.2. Um, the tr- the trade was expecting something closer to 166.7, so yeah, moderately bearish on the corn side. But real shock was the ending stocks number came in at 2.9 bushels, up 9 million bushels from the August forecast. And they did this by reducing uh, food seed industrial use. We dropped ethanol demand a little bit, um, held trade the same and uh, excuse me export demand the same and all of those things were kind of surprising if it hadn't been for the china news that really carried all the markets higher i think this estimate on the corn side would have led to a bearish day however on the soybean side we did see actually i shouldn't have said however it's a very similar story um 
they they lowered production to 3.63 billion bushels with a national average yield of 47.9. So they dropped that from uh, 47 bushels per acre. Um, no, excuse me, 48 and a half is where they were in August. They dropped it to 47.9, and uh, they lowered production just about 47 million bushels. So not a huge amount there on the soybean side. Um, wheat, not much was changed. Ending stocks were left the same, and which is kind of what the trade had anticipated. Uh, the only real good news on the wheat side was that old crop wheat ending stocks have come down a little bit from 277 million metric tons to 275.5 million metric tons. But like I say, if it weren't for that Chinese news, this probably would have been considered a bearish report, given that all the numbers were higher than the trade estimates. But some days, all it takes is a little bit of good news from our good friends over in China to really get this thing rocking and rolling, which is what happened in the markets today. Yes, definitely, Mike. And I think um, the whole tariff situation with China really helped with that as well. Yes, yes, exactly right, Madison. So yeah. what other stories do you have for us today? Well, speaking of China, I did see something today that kind of surprised me. Um, I know Delaney's really been talking about how they are working using like whey proteins to increase their hog herd and really replenish everything they've lost um, to African swine fever. But they did say that China did say that their pork supply should be enough for the upcoming holiday season. Um, and... Which surprised me because it didn't really seem they did seem like they were struggling, but they are hoping that they will have everything that all the pork that they need for the new Lunar New Year in late January. And this was announced yesterday. Um, but I guess we'll see if this changes or if they if this is true. Yeah, you know, that was one of the things I was talking about earlier today with uh, with these guys down here at Winfield is mm -hmm. you know, they've already drawn down their frozen pork stocks about 50% in yeah. the past 10 months. So, I mean, they still have 50% left to go, and I don't know what the tonnage number is. And uh, those are government numbers, so nobody really quite knows mm -hmm. how serious to take them. I don't know. It's all yeah. it's all a matter of wait and see. But the fact that China stepped into the U.S. market to pick up some pork today is indicative of the fact that, you know, maybe they don't have as much as they would like to have. Yes. And maybe even this is saying more along the lines of that they're, they still have, like, exports coming in and all of that different stuff. And they are doing the um, whey protein replacement. So I guess we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, and maybe you're right. Maybe it's between all of those things yeah. they're going to have enough to get by. Yes, definitely. Well, speaking of having enough to get by, the USDA has $150 million available in grants through the Communities Facilities Programs to help rural communities uh, recover from the effects of either hurricanes, fires, or other natural disasters, which this year certainly includes flooding. So if you are... Uh, you know, on the board or the mayor of a, of a rural community that's struggling to get some important facilities back into place, uh, be sure to check this out. So there is a designated list of communities, and uh, that list gets updated. FEMA puts it together. Uh, you can check the FEMA website and uh, just type in designated communities. You should be able to pull it right up. 
grant applications will be con- accepted by the USDA state offices on a continual basis until funds are gone. So it's first come, first served until until the money runs out. Uh, basically, this works for about 100 different types of products, uh, excuse me, projects, um, municipalities, public bodies, nonprofit organizations, Native American tribes. All of these things are eligible if you're in a rural area with a population of 20,000 people or less. That seems to be the the key piece of information. So be sure to hop in there, check that out, and uh, you know, get some money if your town needs it for you know, a water treatment plant that was flooded, or you know, gosh, anything else that's happened in this crazy year of weather. Yes, definitely, Mike. Um, but one other thing that I did see today was it came out yesterday, actually, and the White House officials on Wednesday are urged U.S. biofuel producers and oil refiners to accept a deal to lift biofuel blending mandates in 2020. Um, I know lots of farmers are not happy about everything that has been going on with um, different oil refineries, especially recently, but they are saying these overlong negotiations could make it hard to enact the change in time for next year. And the White House is trying to kind of soothe infuriated farmers from the Trump administration's decision in August to exempt 31 oil refineries. Again, this is something we'll be watching, but there's an update on that. Absolutely. And then post that update, Madison, I did just read a news briefing at Bloomberg that two CEOs from fuel refineries had a meeting in Trump's office earlier today, which appeared to kind of complicate some of the plans they're trying to work through to find some middle ground. So, mm-hmm. gosh, I guess I guess more uh, more struggles lay ahead. Yes, it's definitely another struggle, but at least they are trying to do something and it's not, well, that happened, so, oh well. And they are working to kind of fix their mistakes or make it better for yes. the future, for the future. Well, fingers crossed, Madison. Yes. You're young, so you're still optimistic. <laughs> I'm old and jaded and cynical. College makes you optimistic. <laughs> it does. It does. It's a beautiful thing about college. So try to maintain that as long as you can. I'll do my best. Let's see. The, the only other news I have is just a reminder. The FSA sent out a memo earlier today reminding farmers, dairy farmers in particular, that the deadline to enroll in the dairy margin coverage program for 2019 is September 20th. And um, the FSA estimates that over $257 million in payments uh, to producers who are already registered and about half of those who are registered are taking advantage of the 25% premium discount by locking in for five years of margin protection coverage. Uh, Google up FSA DMC, and uh, you can check out their new website, which should have a little bit more data and you know, kind of help you make that decision if you've not yet enrolled. So far, However, over 19,000 uh, operations have signed up for dairy margin coverage, which FSA seems uh, pretty pretty thrilled about. Yes, definitely. Well, Madison, do you have any other news for us today? Mike, I don't have any other news, but we do have an update with Ray Bohax with our Hot Rod Farmer Minute.
Welcome to the Hot Rod Farmer Minute. I am Ray Bohax from the Idle Chatter Podcast found on the Global Ag Network. Often the most challenging part of working in any machine is keeping the fasteners, brackets, or parts in order and properly identified. An additional concern may be the location of a special fastener due to its size, length, or a worry over marginal threads. The issue of keeping things organized and identified changes little if you are working on an engine, planter, or center pivot irrigation unit. The system you employ to accomplish this must be easy to work with, adaptable, and inexpensive. A picket fence stand of corn speaks volumes about the quality of the farmer. Putting everything back in its rightful place when reassembling a machine makes the same statement about a mechanic. You wouldn't plant corn with a broadcast spreader, then why do so many throw parts into a box and try to figure it out afterwards? As an aside, properly identifying and storing items removed from a machine makes reassembly extremely quick and produces better results. It is important when it comes to moving parts that they be reinstalled in the same location. I tried all different methods with varying success until one day I stumbled on a concept that worked great and cost little to no money. I used brown paper lunch bags purchased in a supermarket. You can get 100 new bags for around $2. It is best to use a black magic marker and write on the bag what is inside. If need be, you can make any notes or a crude drawing to identify a location or concern. My bags read something like this, cylinder number two intake valve parts. You can also add a footnote such as check threads on stud. If the parts are fairly clean when they go into the bag, you'll be surprised how sturdy they are. If the machine is going to be apart for a long time, gather up the bags and place them in a tub or in the cab. When it comes time to put it all back together, it will be a breeze. All right. Well, big thanks to Ray. Always entertaining and interesting things happening over at the Hot Rad Farmer. So be sure to check that out, everybody. Speaking of interesting and exciting, that is one way to describe the markets today. As we take a look here, we've got green on the screen in every market. In corn, September was up six and a quarter at 354 and a half with December contract up seven and a quarter to close the day at 367 a quarter in soybeans up 29 cents close the day at 883 even november also up 29 cents to wrap at 895 five and a half in chicago September contract cents at 485 and three quarters the december contract was up six and a quarter to finish the day at 483 and three quarters looking over at the world of livestock again green all down the screen hogs were the big mover however october live cattle were up 22 and a half cents at 98.7250 october up a dollar 32.50 to finish 104.95 in feeder cattle the september contract up 77 and a half cents at 136.85 october up 47.50 to finish at 134.50 and lean hogs. As I mentioned, big day in the hog market with China stepping in there to make some purchases. All the contracts limit up on the day. October up the daily $3 trading limit of $3 to finish at $63.17.50. December limit up $3 higher to close at $64.20. And another big mover on the day was the dairy market, particularly the deferred contracts. September was up a penny at $18.30. However, the October was up $0.75 cents on the day to close above $19 for the first time in really as long as I can remember. Finish the day at $19.16. And without further ado, let's toss it over to one of our interviews for today's Ag News Daily Podcast. 
the farm economic landscape is changing, and farmers need good data analysis to make the best decisions for farm financials. Roboanger Finance and Conservus are working together to help farmers. Through the Conservus platform, farmers and farm managers have the tools to make decisions sooner and more easily communicate with their lender and business partners. Chris Olson, Robo AgriFinance Central Territory General Manager, says the financial and farm management landscape in agriculture today is challenging, highlighting a need for quality data. This is our fifth year in a row of tight margins. I would almost call them razor-thin profit margins. We've had a lot of different headwinds that keep coming at our producers. we got trade headwinds. we got high input expenses. You couple that with low commodity prices, it really continues to create a very volatile and hard-to-win marketplace. You know, we've got a lot of different uh, farm data platforms out there that people are using today that don't really deliver the promised efficiencies that people are looking for. So, again, there's a lot of challenges facing our producers today in the market space. Conservice and RoboAgri Finance have joined in partnership to help evolve how farms use ag data to make better informed business decisions in navigating a challenging landscape. According to Conservice founder Patrick Christie, he says farmers are looking to a place of confidence in data to make decisions about the future. Our partnership is really an evolution of how to help farmers use data and how can we help them start to make better business decisions and do it in a timely way. Together, we're developing technology that really makes it easy and possible, connecting that information from the field into a management view that translates to financial realities, getting into the details of and being able to manage for profits and then ultimately report financial outcomes with ease. The technology will help farmers improve their operational management and generate lender-ready reports that they can share with any lender. First and foremost, farmers are looking for who can they trust. We are dedicated towards making sure farmers are in control of their data and who they share it with is up to them. And then we started to bring in some real interesting technology to help zoom in into data in the field. So, for example, we have a, a product called Zone Economics, which helps farmers really get into decision-making at the sub-field level, which is where, again, that kind of finding the pennies in every decision you make. Our ability to take data directly from John Deere and climate and present it not only from a, what did I do, but where am I making and losing money? You know, it's control what you can control. Olson says the partnership is about helping farmers make the best decisions for their operation. Rob Wagger Finance would like to see his customers continue to make proactive and forward-looking business decisions. You know, when we looked at the Conservice platform, they're a leader in advancing the farm data management. Their sole purpose is trying to help the farmer. Both companies are looking for the best interest of the farm client. The Rob Wagger Finance customers have been very interested in what they're hearing and what they're seeing. They're very open to sitting down and meeting with members of the Robo team and Conservus team to learn more about why we're doing this, why we think this makes sense. Again, there's a lot of data out there for these clients and farmers to manage, and they're very interested in how their bank and a partner like Conservus can help them make better decisions. This is just the beginning, according to Christie of Conservus, who says innovation in the partnership will continue. We spend a lot of time with farmers, and you know, I think there's three things that really matter when you kind of boil it down. It's now, are these systems really solving a problem that matters? Two, is it something that I can use? Three, who is this person? Are they people I can trust? And so solving those three has been critical for this partnership. And as a consequence, what we're doing now is we're continuing to build technology together that will get deeper into operational management. And then we're also going to continue to advance. I mean, you can imagine as you start to get really good operational information together in an environment that people trust, it's foundational to our partnership. Learn more at conservice.ag or roboag.com. Michael Clements reporting.
All right. Well, folks, that does it for today's episode. If you want to catch up on past episodes, you can find us, as always, on our website at agnewsdaily.com. Check us out. Check out the other podcasts who are part of the Global Ag Network. And as always, visit us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search for at Ag News Daily. With that, Madison, should we let the people go? Let's let them go. <laughs> <laughs>